All right, I just got back from Cancun. Editor, put a picture of me in the last episode before I left next to me now. Do I look tanner? Please say yes. Okay, well, so much has happened. Here are the highlights of my trip. I met a monkey named Paul McCartney. I also met a Swedish girl who met a guy on vacation. We were like in this little, I don't know what you want to call it, a shuttle together. And she's with this guy playing voice messages from her boyfriend back home out loud in front of him. Extremely awkward dynamic. And my friends and I could not stop eavesdropping. I got to live out my white lotus dreams on a boat. Good news is no Nobody guessed I was turning 30 when I told them. I did get a bit of a tan, I think. I did have mezcal. I did not meet any suitable men. The closest match was Paul McCartney the monkey, but we had a fundamental difference in the fact that I don't like animals. One thing I like about 30 is I know my limit when it comes to alcohol. I didn't get drunk once the whole time I was there. There was like a fun level of vibey tipsy, but there were no blackouts or brownouts because ladies know just the right amount of liquor for a good time and exactly what amount of liquor makes it a not so good time. I think if I were ever to go to Cancun again, I'd do an all-inclusive resort and literally not leave the premises all day and just do pool from sunup to sundown. We didn't do a resort. We stayed in a hotel and explored Playa or whatever that area is called, and it was fun. But every restaurant is like a club. I mean, you cannot hear yourself talk. And after a few nights, that got really old. The introverted side of me needed peace and quiet. Mostly, it was just a huge blessing to have friends that would plan a trip for me for my 30th birthday. And they even had my best friends who couldn't be there because of pregnancies or their families mail in handwritten notes of what I mean to them. So there was still a piece of them there to celebrate. Also, you're gonna kill me, but the made-in-house spicy guac at Whole Foods is literally better than all the guac I had in Cancun. I'm Alex Clark, and this is Politics. Thumbs up this episode and make sure you subscribe to the channel and have notifications turned on so you know when new episodes drop. I heard Lori Lightfoot is officially out as mayor of Chicago. According to her team, she's very excited to have a small role in Beetlejuice 2, create a fedora line for Walmart, and have her likeness used as a villain in a new video game. Her mom, E.T., said she's very proud of Lorelore and can't wait to see who she scares next. The real stories I actually want to discuss today are the Selena Haley drama, the media accusing Jessa Duggar of having a miscarriage, and Paris Hilton admitting that she used a surrogate because she was scared of pregnancy and plans on destroying boy embryos until she gets a girl. Let's get ethical. Ethical. Well, I suppose we'll just go ahead and start in with this Haley, Selena, Kylie drama. Or is it drama? Everything started when photos of Selena Gomez looking heavier in a bikini were posted online. People were making fun of her weight, and that's when Haley Bieber, Kylie Jenner, and some other friend of theirs posted a TikTok with this song seemingly shading Selena. I'm not saying she deserved it, but I'm saying God's timing is always right. They deleted it and denied it when fans accused them of making this about Selena. And then an old video of Haley gagging when Taylor Swift's name is said goes viral. Well, Selena comments on that video and says, so sorry, my best friend continues to be the best in the game. Hollywood's top stars face off in a one-on-one -on -one rap battle full of the meanest lyrics about a celebrity since Taylor Swift's last album. <laughs> this isn't the first time Haley has shaded Taylor Swift either. She once liked to post saying that she'd smack her for a sweet tea from McDonald's. She also tweeted that Taylor and Harry Styles were the worst couple of 2012. There's a lot of beef there. You can't sit with us! 
So then back to present day, Selena accidentally over laminates her eyebrows and she posts a video making fun of herself for it. Right after, Kylie Jenner posts a screenshot on her story of a FaceTime with Hailey Bieber and tags her where they're showing their perfect eyebrows. Does this all sound really eighth grade? Yes, yes it does, but it does get weirder. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, 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 People revolt against Kylie and Haley for this behavior. They start hemorrhaging followers, and Selena becomes the most followed person on Instagram, surpassing Kylie Jenner. Everyone is really annoyed with Haley, though, because they feel like, despite winning and marrying Justin Bieber, she is still obsessed with Selena, and now fans are convinced she actually wants to be her. From saying verbatim in interviews what Selena has said in hers, to hiring Selena's same beauty team, copying her outfits, tattoos, and more, people are starting to get major fatal attraction vibes. Okay, so if you didn't know, young Hailey Bieber was actually a fan of Selena Gomez. And she was a stan of Justin and Selena's relationship to the point where she would tweet about it all the time. Things like, I don't care what anyone says, but Justin and Selena together is the definition of a teenage dream. She even would DM other stan accounts and find out where Selena and Justin were staying and literally just show up. And somehow she was able to go from being an obsessed fangirl to literally replacing Selena. And she's been copying Selena Gomez ever since and it's actually insane. Selena posts a black and white music video with her friends to call me maybe and Haley does the exact same thing Selena is seen wearing something and Haley of course has to wear it too for some more Selena starts a cooking show where she cooks in her own kitchen and Haley starts her own show with the same premise oh and Haley of course had to edit in a chef cam too Selena's beauty brand did a texting ad campaign and weeks later Haley's brand does the same thing Selena created the Rare Impact Fund where 1% of proceeds were donated. And then Haley creates the Rhodes Future Foundation where 1% of her sales are also donated. Selena got a Curse of G tattoo behind her ear for her sister Grace. And then Haley also gets a Curse of G behind her ear, but we don't know why. These are Selena's best friends, Raquel, Ashley, and Courtney. And Haley follows all of their accounts and then proceeds to hang out with them. And keep in mind, these are normal people, not celebrities. For Haley's wedding with Justin, she had to hire the same makeup and nail artist that Selena always uses. And this last one, I think, is the most insane one. When Justin and Selena were dating, Justin got her a J-shaped ring that was on her ring finger. And on that same hand, same finger, Haley gets a J tattoo and a bling that makes it look like a ring. And I'm sorry, y'all, but I don't think that these are all coincidences. The thing with Haley is, she knows Selena will always have a grip on Justin. Remember when he accidentally showed his computer screen a few years ago and he had been searching Selena Gomez Coachella outfit? He tried to say, oh, no, no, I was just looking up her performance, but he literally typed, Outfit. Shh, close your eyes. Go to sleep, sweet thing. I'm Team Selena, and I fully believe Haley cannot get over the fact that Justin loved her first, and she's always been trying to morph into her so he'd love her more. The way he treats Haley says it all, really. Hey, hey, what up, Jay? What's up, Justin? Good morning, Justin. Now, before I get into the next story that just sickened me, some great news. You're getting a health and wellness-themed episode tonight on The Spillover. I am talking to a seed oil expert about how our food system got to be anything but food and how, if we simply fix our food, we fix the world. Subscribe to The Spillover anywhere you get your podcast because that comes out at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, tonight. <laughs> I could not believe I was seeing the media lie and accuse Jessa Duggar of having an abortion when she actually had a miscarriage. Headline after headline I saw said she had an abortion. So I'm like shocked looking into it. And then I read the articles. 
No, she had a miscarriage. What the heck is wrong with these people? They want to push a pro-death, pro-abortion agenda so badly that they are willing to lie about how procedures work to convince women that abortion is no big deal. When you have a miscarriage, the baby has to be removed from the womb. When you have an abortion, the baby has to be removed from the womb. This procedure for both is called a DNC. The difference is that in a miscarriage, the baby sadly dies from natural causes and is then removed. In an abortion, the baby is purposely killed with poison and then removed. Miscarriage treatment is legal in every state in the United States, and anyone telling you otherwise is lying. If these outlets have even an ounce of humanity, they'd retract their vicious, misleading headlines, but I wouldn't count on it. I have to lie. Speaking of babies, I am very happy that Paris Hilton has gotten her dream of becoming a mom. After new information has emerged, however, about how she got there, I am not convinced her journey to motherhood was an ethical one. First of all, Paris admits that she used a surrogate because she has a lot of trauma surrounding pregnancy after having an abortion when she was 20, experiencing sexual abuse as a teenager, and also watching a woman give birth on The Simple Life. Now, in my opinion, None of these point to a valid reason to use a surrogate. I also don't think there's any valid reason to use a surrogate, but that's another conversation. However, I do see a lot of reasons to seek help and get healing. This is just another prime example of a celebrity admitting that their abortion has had significant lasting effects on their mental health and also just opting for surrogacy because it's convenient, not necessarily because it's right. The other big problem I have is that she admits she and her husband have dozens of male embryos on ice but are going to keep making them until they have a girl. That means she is likely going to be destroying most, if not all, of her embryos for gender-selective reasons. These are the moral and ethical qualms I have with IVF. The industry not only allows, but encourages things like this from parents. Yes, of course, we can give you a girl. Just keep spending money and making more embryos. We'll go till you get one. Now, if you believe life begins at conception, that is many lives lost, and it's just not right. Can you not see that as a problem? I'm happy to be back with you. Seeing all of your happy birthdays made me feel really special. Thank you very much. Get pumped for the new Spillover episode tonight because you're going to love it. If you missed me, like this episode, thumbs it up, subscribe, turn on the notifications bell, and don't forget, no episodes on Friday. So I will see you Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. It's pop culture without the propaganda, Monday through Thursday. I'm Alex Clark, and this is Politics. Hopefully you found the conservatee scalding today. Don't forget if you want to get the full Poplitics experience to follow us on Instagram at Poplitics where you can see all the fun clips. You can find me on Instagram too at Real Alex Clark. Love you, mean it. Bye.